Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to another episode of the Destination Debbie College Football Podcast. I am your host, Paul. You can find me on X at Gump7285. Finally joined by my co-host after a long week of absence, Derek. You can find him on X at D underscore Cook93, and that's K-O-C-H. Glad to have you back, buddy, especially after a wonderful day of college football. A couple of big games we're going to get to. Lots of excitement from the games today. I know I got to watch a pretty good bit of it, so I'm excited to dive right into it. I'm glad to be back, brother. Uh, work last Saturday, unfortunately, was a 20-hour day, and I couldn't get away from it, but uh, glad to be here every Saturday, except for last. College football is what we live and breathe, brother. Oh, absolutely. We'll get into the Friday night game that I'm sure a lot of you did not stay up till 2, 2 o'clock. Eastern Standard Time watching Colorado and Stanford, but I sure I surely did. I couldn't turn it off, couldn't go to bed, especially once Stanford started making the comeback. They were down 29-0 and then stormed back that whole second half. And, man, Colorado, they just couldn't hold them off for long. But Shadur did what he does, 400 yards, five touchdowns, getting sacked four times for a grand total of negative 49 yards. He did run the ball quite a bit. Actual rushes, he had nine. And his total yards ended up being only 37 due to all the negative yardage from the sacks. So if he wasn't sacked, you're looking at more than 80 yards rushing. But unfortunately, he can't get away from the defense every single play. Yeah, I know he had a long of 38. Um, you know, no rushing touchdowns for him. But yeah, he finished 13 attempts for 37 yards due to the sacks. Um you know, that offensive line is so inconsistent. Sometimes it looks good, and sometimes it looks not so good. But, yeah, Shadur Sanders, another Shadur Sanders game. I think we're you and I are pretty well used to him putting up these type of numbers and just the way this offense is, is orchestrated and constructed. Uh, it's going to be a weekly thing. Yeah, the offense overall looked back to what we were seeing, you know, at TCU, Colorado State, which, of course, I would say mostly attributes to Travis Hunter making a return to the field. He was the leading target getter, leading receiver, yards, caught two touchdowns. He caught 13 of his 19 targets for 140 yards and those two touchdowns. Also on defense, added five tackles, solo tackles, I might add. So he seems to be 
the cog in this offense that makes it churn so smoothly. Without him, they struggled mightily. But with him back, he's the man. He made some pretty good moves in the open field. He hit that good old B button for a touchdown, spun out of a defender's arms and made him touch his toes and went all the way in. Xavier Weaver, seven catches for 124 and two touchdowns. So he had another big ball game. Looked like the, by far, number two wide receiver. And then the run game, really outside Shadur, was really non-existent. Didn't do too much. The highest rusher outside of him was Dylan Edwards with 33 yards. So nothing to talk about with that. And then the Stanford, the Stanford Cardinal. Man, their wide receiver, Illich, a man. I can't remember it now that watched so much football today. A.O. Manor. Yes. I know that I'm butchering, butchering that, but he that had a catch, ball. Man. Game, man. That, catch, uh, that catch he had on Travis Hunter was, I mean, we've seen it a couple times in the past, but, man, was that crazy. Especially at the stage of the game it happened in. That was big time. That was clutch. But he had a... Big, well, big game. 13 catches, 294 yards, three touchdowns with a long of a 97-yard reception. So hats off to that young man. Big receiver, 6'2", 200-plus. And quite frankly, he just outmanned Travis Hunter. He was the bigger man. He looked like it, and he he handled his business late the late stages in the game. Yeah, I mean, 13 to 18 for 295. I mean, that's just a heck of a game. Three touchdowns, the one we mentioned in a 97-yarder. I mean, he just – career game, obviously. But uh, I don't mean to drift away from the talk of Colorado and Stanford, but uh, Caleb Williams threw another pick. It's not looking good, brother. Um, but, yeah, the, the the comeback, what, 29 to 0? Mm-hmm. Absolutely insane. Obviously, the excuse me, the Stanford Cardinals, as a team, they had 39 rush attempts for 124 yards, but nobody really individually got going on the ground by themselves. But man, that AO Manor, I don't know how you say his name either. He just he carried that team on his back. It carried them all the way to a W, which was big for them. What they're now two and four. Saw a lot of people that saying that that this is gonna essentially derail Colorado season and some people think they won't even go bowling this year. They are sitting at four and three currently. They only need two more wins to go bowling, but they do have a tough schedule the rest of the way. So we'll see what happens with them. Maybe this will light a fire under them. Travis is back healthy. They just straight up lost this one, let it get away from them. But we've seen it so many times over our lifetime. A team gets so far ahead. They just don't have the fatigue or whatever you want to call it to hold on to that lead and keep the team, other team at bay. We see it all the time in basketball teams yeah. get up 20 or nothing and kind of let their foot off the gas pedal or, you know, they spend all their energy getting up to a big lead and they just don't have anything left to hold the lead. Yeah. They, they just run out of gas. And I think that's, a, I think that's absolutely what happened in the Colorado game. I mean, there, there's no, no real excuses for it. They just, they got beat brother. Um, I was going to say something, but I can't. Oh, um, preseason. I know this isn't a betting show, but you took, what was it, three and a half for Colorado? They're already there. Was that Four it? Four and a half. Four I was and excited half. to cash this one last night, and it didn't happen. Hey, I think they still win one more. I, I think they've got at least one more in them, and I think there's uh, a lot of 
people out there thinking that Shadur comes back, and I think it's a, a high possibility he does. So, you know, I think Colorado could be even better next year. I mean, they're they're playing with seventy transfer players. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what it was. I'm about to try to find it once again on the good old X. But I saw something about NIL values, valutations, however you want to say it. Uh, it was Shadur comparing him to like Arch Manning, Caleb Williams, other quarterbacks. Uh, he was valued far and above the number one guy on that list. Arch Manning was two. Caleb Williams was three or four at over two million. But Shadur was over four. Yeah, here it is. From on three. Yeah, the on three NIL valuation. Shadur, 4.8 million. Arch, 2.8. Caleb, 2.7. Travis Hunter, 2.3. And JJ McCarthy, 1.4 at number five. Not a bad shout there, brother. We'll no, be talking about JJ here shortly. Well, we will be. I did not think he would make such a list, but I'm assuming that's just what on three, their, whatever their mechanism is. Values these guys at for NIL value. Yeah, whatever their formula is. I can, yeah. So, non three is a very reputable recruiting service to use as a source. So, take that for what you will. I just thought it was interesting that they had him number one over even Caleb, who obviously does the Heisman House stuff. So, I'm sure he gets a good chunk of change from doing all that. But we will move on too. J.J. McCarthy and his Michigan Wolverines absolutely trumped, trounced all over the Indiana Hoosiers, 52-7. to And J.J. had another J.J. McCarthy game. Highly efficient, didn't turn the ball over, didn't make many mistakes. 14 of 17 for 222 and three touchdowns in the air. And then 10 rushes for 27 yards. But although he was sacked four times for a loss of 23 yards. So without the sack yards, he hit 50 for the day on less than 10 rushes. Yeah, I mean, Michigan, I don't know. I mean, they're they're just they're on a roll, man. Three straight games, uh, what was it 42 or 45 or three straight Big Ten games, 42 points or more. Uh I guess it's yeah, the most 45 plus and three straight Big Ten games for the first time ever. Yeah, their their offense is just on a roll, man. Uh, JJ McCarthy, he's in complete control over this offense. Like you said, you know, fourteen to seventeen, two twenty two, three touchdowns, no interceptions. I mean, he just he's the man. And Blake Corum got involved as well, thirteen carries, fifty two yards, and two touchdowns as well. Donovan Edwards nine for twenty and a touchdown. I mean, it's just this offense is is clicking on all cylinders to me. Colston Loveland got a little bit of love today. He was the Leading receiver, had three catches, 80 yards, and a touchdown. Roman Wilson, uh, you know, same thing. Uh, three catches, 14 yards, and a touchdown. I, although he didn't didn't get the catches today, he seems to be good for at least one receiving touchdown a game. He, I think he's J.J.'s favorite target. But this Michigan offense is is quite, quite scary at this point, and that defense, honestly, is just as good as the offense. Yeah, the defense was absolutely locked down after the first – I'll just call it the first quarter, really. It was the first two or three possessions. Indiana moved the ball pretty well on the first drive, and we picked it off in the red zone inside the 10. 
And the touchdown they scored was off a double pass. So breakdown coverage on the back end. So take that for what you will. And those are the only points they got all game long. After that, it was an absolute shutdown, which is what we've come to expect from the number one scoring defense of the nation. And in my eyes, the best defense of the nation. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not going to disagree with you. Michigan's defense is absolutely stout, man. They're they're scary. Uh, they were my championship favorite coming into the season, and it's to me, it's holding true. They're even better than I thought they would be. As an OSU fan, I am a little bit scared. It's it's going to be one heck of a game when that day comes. And interesting little tidbit here: Blake Corum was not the leading rusher. I can't remember the last time he was active and played a full game that he was not our leading rusher. It was the freshman sensation from the spring game, Benjamin Hall. Had six more yards at 58 on four less carries than Blake Horn. Obviously, that's more you know, garbage time, blowout time. But Blake Horn was not the leading rusher. I'm very surprised to see that. I am as well. Uh, Blake Corum, when he's healthy, I think we're just accustomed to seeing him put up 120 yards rushing and a couple touchdowns a game. Uh, to see, would you see Benjamin Hall go out there and be the leading rusher? I mean, you guys are just stacked in that backfield anyways. Donovan Edwards got involved today as well. I mean, it's you guys are tough, absolutely tough. And like you said, there's really not much talk about Indiana side outside of the the double pass, the little bit of trickeration. They didn't do anything today. No, they did not. They surely didn't. They got shut down by how oh, man got shut down by Ohio State in Michigan, typical Indiana. And we'll move on to the Buckeyes. You guys, once again, trounced Purdue forty-one to seven. Kyle McCord with a Kyle McCord-like day, sixteen of twenty-eight for two seventy-six and three touchdowns. Marvin Harrison. Six catches for 105 and a tutty. We got to see the freshman today, and that was the most exciting part. Got to see a good bit of Carnell Tate. Brandon Ennis caught a long ball for 58 yards and touchdown, his only catch. Carnell Tate had three for 79. And, of course, Emeka Buka was out this game, so that's why these guys got some PT. But it was nice to see them go out there and actually do something and not just run routes. Yeah, um, you know, this offense – Honestly, look the best it's looked all year. Um, Travion Henderson's missed the last two games. So leading into that, I was going to say, Dallin Hayden was the leading rusher, had 11 rushes, 76 yards, and a touchdown. I don't feel like we've talked about him at all really this year. So you know, bravo to them. You know, we saw a little bit of Devin Brown there late in the game as well. Like you, you mentioned before, that Brandon Ennis touchdown, uh, Devin Brown threw it to him. He was one of two, 58 yards for a touchdown to Brandon Ennis. <clears throat> um Defense was pretty stifling today. Let up, didn't let up a touchdown to the fourth quarter. So, honestly, I think this is the most put together game we've seen all year from the Buckeyes. Um, not saying that I'm excited necessarily, but they looked okay. Yeah, oh, they did. Kate, Kate Stover had a game as well. He's um, he had four catches on four targets, 53 yards, and two touchdowns. He seems to be a a pretty big focal point of this offense. Kyle McCord for some reason seems to be involved be he seems to be getting him involved a lot. I know um I was reading something I don't remember exactly what it was but Kate Stover set to be uh n- numbers wise for an Ohio State tight end basically break all the records. Touchdowns, uh receiving yards, the whole the whole 
nine yards. So uh, Cade Stover, maybe Debbie Wise, maybe uh, maybe a piece soon. It could be. I mean, it's not surprising. Breaking those records, given you know Ohio State hasn't really had you know tight ends involved in their offense historically much, and he's been hyper targeted by Kyle McCord this year. He had a pretty good year last year as well. Was fairly involved, but definitely was not involved this much. So good for yeah, him. His, his touchdown numbers this year are absolutely crazy uh, compared to last year. I think he only had like two last year, but this year, I mean, he had two this game. He's some reason being a focal point of this offense, and Kyle McCord's uh, keying in on him quite heavily. So I'm I'm not complaining about it, but with all the weapons Ohio State seems to have, it's it's a little crazy to see a tight end be involved that much. Oh, absolutely. Move on to the Florida State Seminoles. They made or they're close to making a little bit of history. They won 41 to 3. This was their 12th straight game of 30 plus points. That's good for second all time in the ACC conference. I don't know what the exact number is for number one, but with the way they're going, I think they're going to break that record, whatever it is. Yeah, I don't think I don't see them uh, slowing down and scoring less than 30 at all this year. Um, I don't know what their schedule looks like. I don't. I don't have it pulled up, but I, I think they're a shoe in to to break that record. Also, depending on how long that scoring streak is, but Florida State just looks. I mean, we, we liked them a lot early in the season as well. They they just look look great, man. Showing why they're number four team in the nation. Yeah, their schedule is rather easy. They're going to definitely put thirty plus on every team. Yeah, yeah Duke and Miami. Pitt, Miami, North Alabama, and Florida. Florida would probably be the toughest one. Yeah. Uh, Duke might be sneaky, but I think they still put up 30. Yeah. And uh, start off with Syracuse, just got one player. Uh, sophomore running back, LaQuinn Allen, had 110 yards on the ground today. That's his third 100-yard game of the year. About six foot. Pushing 200 pounds, a very skilled running back, someone to keep your eye on in that 2025 class. We'll see if he continues to smash like he has really every game but two this year. So he is on a roll, and I enjoy watching him play. So keep a lookout on him. And Florida State will just cut to it with Keon Coleman. Nine for 140 and a touchdown, and he decided he was going to channel his inner Odell Beckham today and made an absolutely phenomenal grab. It was just easily the catch of the season, in my opinion, so far. It was amazing. Yeah, I feel like it almost seems like a weekly thing. We talk about Keon Coleman and how athletic he is, and he put that on full display today, really just in that one play. I mean, phenomenal catch, like you said. OBJ impersonation at its finest. Uh, Keon Coleman special, man. 24 wide receiver class is special, brother. That they are. Give me really about any of them. Outside of Marvin Harrison, they're all extremely talented, and I feel like really they're all in the same tier for the most part. When you're talking in no particular order, you know, Ibuka, Worthy, uh, Troy Franklin, Malik Neighbors, Keon Coleman, Roma Dunze, I really think they're all in one huge tier. They're all yeah. very, very good. Yeah, I think they're all tier two guys. Obviously, Marvin Harrison is in his own tier by himself. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I would take any of those guys anywhere after Harrison in, in a rookie draft. We'll go back to the game here. Uh, Trey Benson, another 2024 prospect, 14 carries for 74 yards. Did catch one pass out of the backfield. 
tight end slash halfback, Jaheim Bell, had four for 87. And we got to see a couple of the young, talented freshmen today for Florida State. Destin Hill, six targets, caught three of them for 10 yards. And then Hakeem Williams had a 44-yard touchdown touchdown catch. So it was very good to see not only Destin Hill, we've seen him a couple times, but also Hakeem Williams, about 6'3", over 200 pounds. I don't think he's been playing football very long. I think his his high school games were actually the first time he played organized football, if I'm not mistaken. But he is a long strider. He's fast. Like I said, he's 6'3", 200 plus. So he's a big guy. Yeah, 6'3", 210. I mean, he's got NFL wide receiver written all over him. Runs great. Uh, type of guys that you and I love NFL-wise. Florida State just got a plethora of weapons they can throw the ball to downfield and do what they want. Jordan Travis is a lucky man. That he is. Speaking of him, he had two rushing touchdowns, 284 yards passing, and a passing touchdown. Not putting up eye-popping numbers, but he's putting up extremely solid numbers, and he's doing what he's supposed, supposed to be doing. He's being a great point guard of this team, spreading the ball around to a couple of their best weapons each and every game, doing what he can on the ground. He's he's the right man for this team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, darn it for college football and counting sacks against your rushing yards, but he finished seven for minus five. I think you alluded to the two touchdowns on the ground. He was sacked twice for 18 yards, so you take away the, the two sacks and add on the 18. I mean, you know, a great game for him, brother. Yeah, I mean, if the college is going more towards the NFL style of play, like they did with the timing rules outside the last two minutes of the half and the game, why not go that way with that? Keep sacks in a separate category. Don't take it away from rushing yards. Don't add a sack as a rushing attempt. Keep it separate. It would make so much more sense. And, you know, betting-wise, too. I know I personally – always get weary when I put a bet down on a quarterback rushing number just because of the sacks. Right. You take one sack of 10-plus yards, that could kill the whole game. Oh, absolutely, especially for a guy like, you know, Jordan Travis. You take away them two sacks, he'll have five attempts for 13 yards. Ain't nothing crazy, but those two sacks put him at negative five. I mean, I, I think they do eventually. They're they're trying to copy the NFL game. It's It'll be coming. It's just might never soon enough. Which makes sense. It's only going to better prepare the players, coaches, everybody involved with the team. If they are looking to make the jump to an NFL level, why not play the game almost exactly the same? I don't know why they don't. They absolutely should. Um, I don't really have nothing else to say about that, though. But, yeah, that's to me, it's 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 stupid. But they want to differentiate the games. I, I get it. But It makes sense. College games are more fun, period. Even if they played the same rules, it'd still be more fun. I think so. I wish that they would. Um, I don't really like the because you talked about it a minute ago. The um, clock only stopping on a first down in the last two minutes of the half for the end of the end of the game. I, I wish they'd go back to that. I, I like that a little better personally, but they want to speed the game up. Yeah, we're not because we haven't seen any more crazy comebacks due to losing. A few plays, losing all that time in between snaps and whatnot we're not used to. But we'll jump into the Georgia Bulldogs. It'll be a quick dip in the pool, in and out. Brock Bowers, sprained his left ankle, I believe it was. 
at least according to Kirby, it's a sprain. A lot of people are speculating it's more than that by his reaction. He was trying to walk it off, get to the sideline, went down to his knees, and proceeded to punch the turf or the grass, whichever one they were playing on today at Vandy. So by that, a lot of people think it's much more than a sprain, and Kirby Smart is just downplaying it. Downplaying it. So we'll see in the next few days. Of course, with it being college football, we're never really going to know. They might just take this spring thing and hold them out till playoff time, SEC title game. Who knows? Yeah, I'm, I was going to pull up their schedule to see what what they've got for the rest of the year. You know, no reason bringing him back against you know FBSU. Um, but yeah, I think they got lucky on that same play that <clears throat> that Brock Bowers got hurt. Carson Beck went out to throw a block for him, and he. I know that we don't talk very highly of Beck, but you know, to potentially lose your starting quarterback and your starting tight end all in the same play would be would be extremely bad. Now, speaking of Carson Beck, he's playing pretty damn good, if I must say so. He's on my radar, not for the 24 class that he's eligible in, but definitely the 25 class. I don't see any way he doesn't come back, but he has been playing extremely well all season and better than what Stetson Bennett was doing in my eyes. Yeah, I don't think Stetson Bennett took a leap for me personally until, you know, last year. Uh, I think Carson Beck is is ahead of him in, in the step and progression curve. Um, he's flown under the radar this year, but we've talked about him a handful of times. He's, he is looking good, though. I think he is ahead of Stetson Bennett, and he's obviously three years younger, four years younger than he is. I'm sure that helps, being a young man and not an almost middle-aged man like ourselves. Right. But looking at Georgia's schedule, they do have a bye next week. So that'll be helpful. And then they play Florida, Missouri, Ole Miss, Tennessee, and Georgia Tech. Obviously not worried about Georgia Tech or Florida too much, but Missouri, Ole Miss, and Tennessee, without Brock Bowers, with the way those three teams can put up points, might be a little bit a little bit worrisome. Yeah, but, I mean, like you said, the Missouri game is going to be is 11-4. And what is it today, the 14th? So he's he's got a little bit of time to to get healthy. I'd <clears throat> I'd sit him out into that Missouri game personally, assuming he can come back. I wouldn't put him out there if there's a possibility that he's not 100 percent healthy. I wouldn't. And you also got to think of his NFL future that he is going to have. He needs he should be thinking of that as well. We've already won two national titles. There's nothing else you can really do besides win another one that I don't think is going to happen with or without him. Right. So he needs to put himself first in this situation, make sure he doesn't make that worse and turn into a lingering issue. That I don't he's think it's healthy when we see him again. Yeah, that and he's he's by far the tight end one in this class. Um, I don't think there's any any debate in that. I'm I'm with you though. Think of yourself. Uh yeah, him coming back and playing, there's nothing that that's gonna do to help him. He could stop yeah. playing today, he's gonna get drafted the same, be thought of the same. It don't matter. Right. He's solidified NFL caliber tight end star. <clears throat> he has nothing less nothing else to prove, I guess is what I'm getting at. I if he, if he's healthy and you can bring back from Missouri, good, but everything you said, I don't think they have a chance to win the win in the conference the college football championship this year either. So you know, think about yourself, young fella. Absolutely. So prayers up for him for a speedy recovery and hopefully it's nothing too serious. We'll move on to the Arkansas Alabama game. 24 to 21. Alabama squeaked away with this one at home. They didn't score in the fourth quarter. 
They only scored three points after halftime, so they were struggling big time. Uh, Arkansas, K.J. Jefferson struggled, as you might imagine, 150 for two touchdowns in the air, 26 yards on the ground. No Raheem Arkansas Sanders today dealing with a knee injury still, so he did not play, which even if he did play, quite honestly, he's been stinking it up this season anyway, so he wouldn't have been a difference maker more than likely. Yeah, he would have went out there and got 20 carries for 35 yards and maybe a touchdown. Probably. Nobody else really did anything for Arkansas. Their defense held up really, really well, but that's about it. Uh, Jalen Melrose struggled big time. 10 of 21 for 238 and two touchdowns. Sacked five times. He had negative 19 rush yards and touchdown. Mm. So he... He didn't look as good as he did in the previous week. That's for sure. Unfortunately for him, I thought he was starting to kind of get it together, find a groove, and he stumbled this week. Uh, Jace yeah. McClellan. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I mean, absolutely struggled. He had a less than 50% completion percentage. I know the the yards is a little misleading because that's 20, 23.8 yards per completion, which is which is great. But I guess the, the best thing is he didn't turn the ball over. Yeah, as long as you're keeping the ball safe and not giving it to the other team, you're likely going to walk out with a win as the quarterback of Alabama, which is obviously what happened today. And as far as the receivers go, uh, Kobe Prentice was the leading man, only two catches for 93 and a touchdown. Uh, Jermaine Burton, extremely quiet after his big game last week. I thought he was turning a corner. I thought he might be something, might rise up the boards a little bit, but nope. Back down to two catches for 60 yards. And outside that, for the for the wide receivers, nothing. Once again, this room is mediocre at best. It might be which, one of the worst wide receiver rooms in the, all of Power 5 teams. Which is kind of crazy to think of. I mean, you mentioned uh, Kobe Prentice, Jermaine Burton, Ja'Cory Brooks, Isaiah Bond. I mean, all were pretty big-name guys, and – Isaiah Bond had five targets, one catch for eight yards. Ja'Cory Brooks had three targets, one catch. Granted, it was 25 yards, but you know, they're extremely underperforming. And to me, this has been a problem for the last two years. Nobody's really stepped up and been that guy. Shaz Preston hadn't done much this year either. I mean, it's 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 kind of sad, brother. It is. It's unfortunate. They're just not churning them out like they have been. And apparently this season, they're not they're not going to. I don't see anybody really emerging at this point. We're halfway through the season, which is crazy to think. Right. We'll we'll move seven, on. Ga- seven games in, and they don't really have a, a number one. Yeah, and they've been with Milrow, what, pretty much the whole way outside of one week, I think, where they started Buchner and Ty Simpson played. I think yeah. Milrow was back starting yeah. the next week. Yeah, that was the game after they lost to Texas. Um I'm assuming it was just an experiment to see what they had behind Milrow, and uh, they saw Which that. Which is absolutely nothing. No, I mean, Tyler Buchner's, uh, at best, uh, Jalen Milrow light. So, Milrow's for sure the best quarterback they have. That he is. And we'll move on to another SEC battle. The Tennessee Volunteers won 20-13 over the Texas A&M Aggies. I have the Aggies winning this one. Unfortunately, it did not happen. And we saw a little bit of resurrection for Evan Stewart as far as being targeted. 
He had 11 targets. Unfortunately, he only got four of them for 48 yards. So once again, the Max Johnson taking over at quarterback is a detriment to Evan Stewart. Has been every single week and will continue to be every single week, even like today. He did finally target him more than five times. Still can't do anything with it against Tennessee, whose defense is not a stout defense. Yeah, I, I um, you know, we we're not huge Connor Wegman fans, but I think that this is a testament that he is a hell of a lot better quarterback than than Max Johnson. You can only deal with what you've got. You know, the hands you were get the hand you were given, you, you can't do much more. Um, you know, Evan Stewart hyper targeted, only caught four of them. Just not a good day to be a Texas Aggie. Le'Veon Moss went out there, had 15 carries, 62 yards. Decent, decent day for him. But this offense just, just wasn't it today, man. They had obviously no. Um, they had one rushing touchdown by Max Johnson, and that that was it. That was it. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, Tennessee's offense was not it today either. Joe Milton, 11 to 22 for only 100 yards. A touchdown and a pick, sacked three times. This was a, a running game for Tennessee. Uh, Jalen Wright, 19 carries. Jabari Small, 12 carries. Joe Milton himself had eight. And then Dylan Sampson had nine. So this was all on the ground for them. Wide receivers, their top leading guy was 31 yards. So that was not a good day. They can see into blind spots. Yeah, right over there. I hear some ad playing. Yeah, man, they just pop blind up spots. sometimes. They they pop up sometimes for some reason on this on these ad, or on these uh, web pages I've got open. I don't know why they do that. It's just complete and random. Um, I was looking at the box score of Tennessee Texas A and M game, but oh man, kicks kicks my butt sometimes. Oh, but yeah, the, t- the first noise sounded like you were. You know, Drinking something out of a straw where there was not much left in the cup. Like, you know, that noise. It sounded like I, that. I'm looking at you. I'm like, what? what's that? You're not doing anything. And I hear blind spots. What are you watching? It sounded like running water to me. So I, I do sincerely apologize. But, yeah, Tennessee's offense was through the air, just did not look good. Jalen Milrow, I don't know if he's back to his old Michigan ways or not. But 11 oh, he for 22. Is. He, is. 100, yeah, he has been for weeks. Um, and I'm, but again, he they're still winning games. I think I said Jalen Milrow. Obviously, I meant Joe Milton. Yeah, uh, let that one slide. You were gonna, yeah, you, you knew what I was talking about. But Joe Milton, man, he just—he's been off for a week. You got to knock the rust off. That's right. That's right. Loose, loosen up the shoulders. But you know, on the ground as a team, they rushed 49 times for 232 yards. I mean, it's uh, Jalen right. Wright, 19 for 136. They had no rushing touchdowns, but. You know, they the were, game they was won in the trenches. No, they controlled the line of scrimmage, controlled the yes. game clock, the flow of the game. It, it wasn't pretty. No. I was expecting better of this game myself. Unfortunately, did not happen. Yeah, I was hoping for a little bit more fireworks in this game, to be honest. Uh, I know that when we tend to do that, that it doesn't happen when we talk about it like that. But Tennessee came out with a W, but it was a an ugly game for them. And it was. Move on to the game of the week, a top 10 clash of Titans, the Oregon Ducks at Washington Huskies. I watched every single snap of this game, and I enjoyed my time. Washington pulled it out 36-33. to 
Oregon missed a field goal just slightly as time has expired. Man, Dan, I'm sorry, Dan Lanning, my apologies, has some big cojones on him. Let me tell you, you know, right before halftime, fourth and goal, they could have easily kicked the field goal, cut it to a one-point game. He said, no, no, no. We're here to win the game. Went for it. They missed. Similar situation comes up around midfield-ish, maybe like around Washington's 40, somewhere in that area. They weren't deep on either side. Fourth down comes. They go for it. They miss. Give the ball back to Washington with under two minutes left. Michael Penix Jr. throws two beautifully thrown balls to, to down the left side of the field. Touchdown, two plays. They take the lead, and that's the ball game. So kudos to Dan Laning for staying on brand, saying we're going to win the ball game, we're going to take the risk. And unfortunately, just the ball didn't roll their way today. But yeah. he's got – they have an identity. They have this against Colorado that we're going to go out there and beat their butts. And today was a similar thing, that they're going to win the game and just didn't work out for them. Yeah, it's kind of similar like basketball, live and die by the three. Dan Lanning has his way of doing things, and unfortunately today they died by it. Um, it heck of a game, though, man. 36-33, like you said. You know, I don't know if you want to dive into stats or not, but Bo Nix had himself a bit of a game as well, as Michael Penix did. Um, Bucky Irving, guy that we've talked about quite a bit, 22 for 127 in a touchdown. Troy Franklin. Oh, uh, we'll targets. stop you there, Bucky Irving. Let's dive into him a little bit. He also had six catches for 34 yards. He's a monster. If you like Devon A-Chain or Devon, what is it, A-Chan, A-Chan, I can't say it at the moment. It's Devon A-Chain. That's what we've known at Texas a and I don't know why it's changing now. Besides the point, if you liked him as a prospect, you, you should love Bucky Irving. He is not just as fast, but he is Fast, fast, faster than most people. He's great. I see a lot of hate for him. I don't know why. He had this one run, beautifully done. He was dead to rights by two defenders. He's got such quick feet and a quick hop. Hop to the left, made them both miss. It was going to be, it was that one of the, the very last drive for Oregon before Washington took the lead. It was like second and 10. It would have been you know, third and 10, third and long likely to give the ball back. He made these two defenders missed. He ran past them, bounced off another defender, and fell forward, made a third and two. So him by himself literally made it from third and ten to third and two. Based on his ability, his quickness, his lateral lateral quickness, his quick feet, his contact balance, and his strength, all on display in one game, one play. I don't think we would see that from many guys his size, which is the biggest knock on him for most people. But you shouldn't be knocking him. You should be behind him. He had 22 carries today. He had 28 touches in total, over 150 yards and a touchdown. I mean, it, it to me, it's a little bit crazy knocking him for his size. I mean, he's 5'10", a buck 95, 200 pounds. I mean, I get maybe he's a little bit underweight. But, I mean, for his build and the type of player he is, I think that's a perfect perfect size for him, you know. Um Typically, those those guys that can, like you like to say, make you miss in his phone booth and uh, great contact balance and fast, 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 fast. They usually don't weigh two, 215, 220. You know, he's, he's a different type of player than a guy like, you know, 
no, I'm trying J.K. Dobbins, Travion Henderson. Uh, he's just he's he's a different type of player. That he is. He's a monster. He, I saw during the game at Flash that he is has the six most um, six most broken tackles, basically, or made people miss in FBS. So he's making people miss. He's strong for his size, great contact balance. He's a very good all-around running back. He can catch the ball, as we saw today. We've seen almost every game, really. So I don't, I don't see what's not to like about him personally. I've been a big Bucky Irving fan since last year. He transferred out of Minnesota to Oregon, and ever since then, he's been on a tear. 1,000 yards last year. He's well on his way to doing it once again. So he's... He's been one of the more consistent 2024 running backs as well. More consistent than Travion, Raheem Sanders, Trey Benson, Donovan Edwards, Will Shipley, Braylon Allen. Well, maybe not Braylon Allen. He's been consistent, especially since Ches Malusi unfortunately went down. But outside of two, you know, like Blake Horn, Braylon Allen, Jonathan Brooks, he's right there in terms of consistency, playing well week in and week out, looking good doing it. There's yeah, no I mean, with him. No, absolutely. You know what you're going to get every single week out of him. And he doesn't miss games, doesn't miss time. Uh, that's kind of a shot towards Travion Henderson and, and wink, wink. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge Bucky Irvin fan. And, again, he had himself another ball game. We seem to say it a lot. Bucky Irvin, he's, he's, a, he's a beast as well. He's climbed up my Debbie rankings quite a bit here in the last several weeks. As he should. Should be going up everybody's rankings. But I'll let you get back to your boy, Troy Franklin. What did he do for us today? Buddy, he had 11 targets, 8 catches, 154 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, We talked about Troy Franklin a lot last year before the season started. Uh, Bo Nick's first year for Oregon, and he's just he's taken off, man. I I know that – I can't remember exactly what we said, but um, – there's something Jameson along the lines Williams of JMO. Yes. Type that, of breakout. Yes. Jamison Williams type of breakout. And man, he's he is right there. He's to me top five Debbie wide receiver currently, possibly even higher after this week. He started off slow in the first half, but the second half, when it was needed most, he was the guy. 11 targets. He thought to have essentially sealed the deal was third and third and long. Bo Nix got the snap, dropped back, and just did that whole Joe Burrow, F it, Jamar's down there somewhere type of throw. Just lobbed it up down the sideline. Troy Franklin made a one-handed grab, got down inbounds to keep the clock running and move the chains. Beautifully done. He had a great game. He did have one drop on fourth, fourth and goal. It wasn't the best throwing ball. Defender was draped all over him. But he could have came him up with another big catch. Unfortunately, did not. But Franklin's up there. We've been on him. If you've listened to us on the Gridiron Fantasy Show, we've been on him since before last season. And he's been great ever since then. He's definitely more consistent this year compared to last. And I love to see the improvements that he's made. So he's gonna be he's gonna be a day two pick easily. Like I mentioned earlier, he's in that huge tier two. I mean, when we're talking between like him, a Dunze, neighbors. Worthy Igbuka, flip a coin. I don't think you're going to be disappointed with any of them. Troy Franklin has that game-breaking speed and ability that, similar to Xavier Worthy, can beat the guys deep and give you that long pop play that some of the guys in this class cannot. 
So the Oregon Ducks, man, I love them. Call me a fan. I love Bo Nix. I love Bucky. I love Troy Franklin. I wish we got to see more of the freshman jury on Dickey, but we have not really seen much of him this season. The second running back, Jordan James, is pretty damn good in his own right. 11 for 63 and a touchdown today and three catches out of the backfield. So they have a nice little two-headed monster gaining steam coming down the stretch. Unfortunately, they dropped it today. And this was a big game. Pac-12 title hopes, college football playoff hopes, Heisman hopes for Penix and Knicks was on the line today. With how good this game was and how well they bo- both teams played, I don't think this really knocks Oregon down much, if at all, at least in my opinion. They played extremely well. Bo Nix played well. It was just if Dan Lanning would have kicked some field goals and maybe punted the ball, this was could likely be a different outcome. Yeah, I mean, I I know losing a game sucks. Oregon's obviously probably upset with the way the game ended at the end. Um, but I I don't think Oregon should drop. You know, <clears throat> you could honestly switch these two teams ranking wise. I think Washington came in at eight and Oregon came in at seven. I wouldn't be mad if you just switched them. Am I off? No, uh, Washington was seven. Washington yep. was seven. Oregon was eight. Um, regardless, I don't think Oregon should drop out of the top ten. I mean, it was at Washington. It was a darn good game. It was close. Came down to right at the very end. Uh, I'm, I'm also a little bit of an Oregon fan as well. You converted me in my ways. I wasn't a huge Bo Nix guy leading into last year. You put your flag on that hill, and you've rode it since then. And you know, Bo Nix, like he's he's going to be draftable next or this year. So, you know, Oregon they they've just got the players. I think they could be building something special. And you know, obviously with the conference realignment type stuff, Oregon could be nasty. It could be. I heard a name on the defensive side of the ball that I forgot was even there. Heard the good old Uunga. Damn it. I know it. I know I couldn't do it. You know what I'm talking about. DJU. His little brother plays for Oregon. Five star defensive lineman. Turned down your Buckeyes and went out to Oregon to play football. Heard his name a couple times during the game today. He didn't make the stat box, but he was out there. He was noticed. So good for him. And we'll move on to the Washington Huskies. Michael Penix probably had his worst game of the year, but still. 300-plus yards, four passing touchdowns, one pick, only sacked one time. These wide receivers were on fire, and they were missing Jalen McMillan. Roma Dunze, eight catches for 128 and two touchdowns. He could have did more damage. There were a couple off-target throws, breakups, things like that. He could have had a way bigger day. Uh, Jalen Polk, another 24 guy, six catches for 118 and a touchdown. And Michigan transfer, Giles Jackson, six for 58 in a touchdown. Big day for all of them. I'm really starting to like Jalen Polk the more I watch him play. I definitely like him better than Jalen McMillan. Not as much as Roma Dunze, but I'm a big fan of Polk's. Yeah, Polk's kind of burst onto the scene over the last several weeks. Um, you know, this this wide receiver room uh, quietly is probably a top three or four wide receiver room in the whole country, if not even better than that. Um, the Dunze, a Dunze, he's calling him a Dunze, I believe. A Dunze, absolutely love that kid. Uh, Polk's putting on a show, and McMillan, I mean, that's a pretty, pretty darn good three headed monster there. Yeah, it might just be the best trio in the nation. 
especially with Penix throwing the ball to him. And I'll just say it, Michael Penix over Bo Nix. Bo Nix had a better statistical game, but Michael Penix is the better quarterback, in my opinion. He, Yeah. Yeah. Just straight up. He's got a better arm. Just It's so pretty watching him step back and fling that thing deep. It just jumps out of his hand. Great velocity, great accuracy. He's got a big arm. And he's a he's a quote-unquote statue quarterback. He doesn't move around too much, but he stands in the pocket in the face of blitzes, fire, getting hit, and he delivers it on target more times than not. Unfortunately, he didn't have as big of a game as Bo Nix, yardage-wise and whatnot, but he's still up there for the Heisman running, especially coming away with the W over Bo Nix. Yeah, right now I think uh, Michael Penix is my – personal Heisman front runner, um, depending on what Caleb Williams does tonight. It hasn't looked good so far, but uh, yeah, Michael Penix. I mean, to me, I, you look at like the stature between him and Bo Nix and they're the exact same weight, 213 and Bo Nix is 6'2 and Penix is 6'3. I feel like Michael Penix plays a lot bigger than that though. He, to me, he plays like a six foot five, six foot six quarterback. I love that he's left-handed, you know, maybe that's just a little bit of bias there too, but uh, Michael Penix to me is, I mean, obviously, everybody, he's risen up everybody's boards, but Michael Penix, to me, has true top 10 draft capital NFL-wise. He just might. He just might. He's definitely a top five quarterback in this class. Unfortunately, with how good everyone else is, that just might be a ceiling. But that might not be necessarily a bad thing. There's plenty of NFL teams that are quarterback needy or will be in the next year or so. I hope my Cowboys draft him. Why? They have Trey Lance. Stop. Stop. Well, yeah, I'm glad we're not on not on YouTube to see that nasty, nasty little look you just gave me. So we'll move on to the games that are actually being played right now. Do a little live check-in before we get off of here. And as the games we go over right now, you can catch our final recap and analysis on them on our next episode of the Gridiron Fantasy Show coming out Tuesday evening. Arizona and Washington State. A shocker. Arizona's up 30-6, to six, start of the fourth quarter. Arizona almost squeaked out a win against SC last week. Maybe they have something. They're still without starting quarterback, Jalen Delora. So they're doing this with a backup. Uh, Ted Aroa McMillan, 7 for 68. And the target hall, Jacob Cowing, 8 for 29. But he also has 11 targets, just like McMillan. And our boy Cam Ward, not having a terrible game. 17 of 21 for 163, a touchdown and sack twice. Just seems like they're doing more dink and dunk, not necessarily pushing the ball down the field tonight for whatever the reason is. But Arizona is putting it on them. They're going to walk away with the W, I'd say, at this point, up three possessions with the new timing rules in the fourth quarter. I'd stick a fork in them. They're done. Yeah, man. I I mean, I'm, I'm still having my flag planted on Cam Ward. Um Alluding to your your Duncan Duncan dive little short yardage passing plays, you know that hadn't worked for them all year. They they're not playing like they have all year, in my opinion. Seventeen for was it twenty twenty one for one sixty three? I mean, for Cameron Ward, that's absolutely terrible. He does have a pick as well. Um, just not not. I just don't think the the offensive play calling is working out for him today. Obviously not. They're down thirty six with thirteen minutes left in the game, but. Terrible offensive play calling, in my opinion. Yeah, they're 
it seems, at least from just looking at the stat box, obviously we're here recording, so we're not we don't have eyes on the game. But it seems that way. They've gone away from what they've done this season that has worked up until was it last week, I think, when yeah. they lost UCLA or the week before, whichever one. But since then, they've obviously fallen off the rails a little bit and, and here again tonight. So unfortunate to see. But again, Cam Ward, that's the important piece and takeaway here. He's not playing horrendous. His stats do not reflect that his team is down 30 to 6. Absolutely. I was uh, going to pull something up to see because uh, I can't remember this. I can't remember if he has thrown a pick or not this year. I was say, it uh, might, might be his first pick thrown on the season. It might be his first or second. I don't think he's thrown more than one. I think he did against UCLA. I think he threw one. Yeah, he he might have. I was just well, before was that. Just I know before that game he had 13 touchdowns and no picks. It looks like he's got 14 and two now. So, but still extremely efficient. Uh, I've obviously probably out of my Heisman candidacy at this point, but still a huge Cam Ward fan. But they're they're getting paddled. We'll move at, on at, to at home too. Yeah, at home that's not. Not a good thing. It's a lowly backup quarterback for Arizona. Absolutely not. We'll move on to the battle of the Tigers, the Auburn Tigers at the LSU Tigers. Currently, but under four left in the third, LSU was up thirty-four to ten. Nothing going on on the Auburn side of things. Jarquez Hunter, six for thirteen on the ground, does have a touchdown, so he did hit hit Pater. And then LSU, Logan Diggs doing what he's done seemingly every game. 81 yards thus far. Malik Neighbors, only 61 and a touchdown so far. And then senior Kyron Lacey, six foot two, 215 pound veteran, 104 and a touchdown today. Uh, Brian Thomas, he is very quiet, three for seven. But LSU is winning, and Jalen Daniels is once again putting on a show. He's got 55 rush yards. Three touchdowns, one pick. He's been sacked two times, only a loss of four. 16-23 passing for 281. Talk about Heisman numbers. If we throw away records for teams, it's almost impossible not to put Jaden Daniels in your top three to five of Heisman right now. He puts on the show, puts up numbers each and every week, no matter who he's playing. He's going to do the damn thing. Yeah, I feel like this is a complete 180 of kind of how we were talking about Jaden Daniels last year. Uh, it seems like week after week he's putting the team on his back and looking at these these numbers. Obviously, we're not able to watch it because we've been recording, but th- these are the type of numbers I expect Cam Ward to be having right now. You know, very similar attempts and completions, but totally opposite uh, results. Absolutely right. I think if Daniels keeps this up, man, I think he makes it to the Heisman ceremony in New York. I don't think there's really any way how you could keep him out of there, to be honest. I don't think so either. I mean, I don't know how he stacks up against his uh, peers quarterback-wise, but uh, before tonight's game, he had almost 2,000 passing yards, 19 passing touchdowns, and only two interceptions. I was just stat-watching or yeah, stat watching a little bit, but you know, he's, he's had himself a hell of a season so far already, and I'm with you if he continues this for the rest of the year. I know LSU's got two losses, but uh, every game they've won – has been because of him, and every game they've lost has not been because of him. You're not wrong. You are not wrong, my friend. Move on to another SEC battle. 
the Missouri Tigers at the Kentucky Wildcats. Little under nine left in the third. Missouri is up 20 to 14. We'll start off with Kentucky. Ray Davis is once again putting up a looming monsters game. 14 carries for 94 so far. Uh, Devin Leary, he's not what I thought he was going to be in this offense this season. It's been a, a downer compared to what I was expecting. As is today, 47 pass yards for a touchdown. And I do have him on a prize pick slip to go over one and a half touchdowns. So please, Devin Leary, you got 23 minutes of football left. Give me one more passing touchdown, will you? I think he's got it in him. This game is still going to – I think it's there's still a lot of football to leave, be left, but you forgot to mention Ray Davis has the only touchdown uh, offense. No, I lied. He has the only receiving touchdown. He got one catch, seven yards, and a receiving touchdown. So Ray uh, yes, Davis I is all over the touchdown. place. <clears throat> Devin Leary does have a, a rushing touchdown, though. Yeah. So – your one and a half is that for passing touchdowns or touchdowns overall? Yeah, passing only. Passing nah. only. Uh, it might hmm. be tough. And then our boy Barry Brown, another quiet game, one for two. Super sophomore alongside him, Dean Key's got one target and nothing. So this passing offense is terrible under Probably. Devin Leary compared to what Will Levis had cooking. Yeah, it's it's uh it is not good. Move on to the Missouri Tigers. A little bit brighter on this side of the ball, this side of the, of the field, not ball. Uh, Brady Cook, who is growing on me very quickly, 14-23, 121, touchdown pick, one sack. Also 37 rush yards, so he is the leading rusher right now. Uh, interesting, their kicker must have been a fake field goal. Has one pass for 39 yards and a touchdown. Huh. So that's something. And Luther Burden, my, 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 Luther Burden, two for 15 yards. Not good. Not good. Not what we're accustomed to seeing this year. It looks like freshman Luther Burden came out to play tonight so far. Yeah. He's only been targeting four times, which is second on the team. But we're used to seeing a lot more than four targets through two and a half quarters of play. I see a name on here that's got one catch that I, I recognize. It's a little different. Good old Mookie Cooper. Yeah, he's a pretty big part of this offense. Not tonight, but he got mm-hmm. one catch. He's one got catch. more yards than Luther Burden. On one. Mm-hmm. Crazy. But Theo East having a game, six catches for almost 60 yards and touchdown. And you said Marquise Johnson, one for 39 and touchdown. Like you you mentioned the, the kicker throwing a touchdown pass. It was to him. So. Yeah, talk about a little bit of a resurrection this season with Theo Weiss. Some of you may re- recall that name from Oklahoma. But he has had a couple good games with Missouri this year. His name's been called quite frankly, frequently when I've put them on. Move on to another Pac-12 showdown. The UCLA Bruins at the Oregon State Beavers. 23-10, Oregon State at halftime. Dante Moore. Obviously, again, don't know what's going on right now, but he is not having to – I think he got pulled from what I'm looking at here. Uh, 8 of 18, 70 yards, one touchdown, (laughs) three interceptions. So a hat trick for INTs in the first half for freshman Dante Moore. Connor Shalee has one pass for one yard. So maybe Dante Moore got pulled. It wouldn't be surprising with three picks and one half. Shalee also has four rushes for 46 yards. None of those being a sack. So it's a good shot. Dante Moore's been 
yanked for the night. And they're only down 23-10, so they're still within striking distance. But both of these teams defensively are extremely solid. So this 13-point hole might feel like 25. Yeah, right there with you. Um, Dante Moore getting pulled. That doesn't look good, but true freshmen are going to do true freshman stuff. Three interceptions is growing pains. Uh, DJU looks like he's doing all right. Eight of 14 for 107. Aiden Childs came in uh, two for two for 16 yards and passing touchdown. And that went to Jack Velling. But so I don't, I don't know what's going on with the DJU Aiden Childs situation. Aiden's played a little bit this year, but it's mostly been a mop up garbage time or DJU gets banged up for a play or something. But I will say when Childs has been in the game, he's played extremely well, especially for a true freshman. If you remember back way, you know, spring ball, Childs was there. He played in the spring game. Uh, per reports, for what I was seeing, he was the best quarterback in camp. He was playing better than DJU, albeit he mostly played against third stringers, but he looked like the best quarterback in camp. And you will see him pop up on my Debbie Buys and Sell article coming up this Friday at DestinationDebbie.com. He will be a buy. Get ahead of the curve with him. He's going to be the starter next year. I don't think there's any if ands, or buts. DJU's got this locked up for this year. Similar case as Joe Milton, veteran quarterback. He might struggle and not play well at times, but they're leading the team to victory. That's what matters. Right. They're so they're I, they're locked for the season, absolutely, and then they're gonna, you know, leave for the draft. So I'm with you. I think Gaden Childs is an easy buy right now, without a doubt. And when you're talking just Debbie, not C2C-wise, you can get him for a fairly cheap price. I mean, he's a freshman quarterback. If he was drafted in your league in the supplemental draft, you, they didn't spend much on him probably. I mean, he's a freshman going to Oregon State. Not a lot of people would be on a quarterback such as that, but you should be. Yeah, I wouldn't say he had uh, the most amount of buzz compared to freshman quarterbacks coming in. I mean, we can list five or six of them right off the top that are – you know, had a lot more buzz than he did. So, yeah. Uh, Damian Martinez, eight for 48. Uh, Silas Bolden tied for leading the group along with Anthony Gold. Gold, Gold, I don't know, G O U L D. I think that's Gold still. But both have four catches for 44 yards. Exactly. So, Oregon State, I think they're going to, they're going to control the second half. They're going to control the line of scrimmage. We're going to see, a heavy dose of Damian Martinez, uh, maybe some DJU if he is still in the game. Even uh, Childs, he can run as well. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if DJU got knocked out and Aiden Childs is in, but that, to me, with the way this game is score-wise looking, like you said, that 13-point deficit with the way these defenses play could be more like a four-point or a four-score uh, deficit. So they're going to control the clock, milk it, and, you know, take the victory absolutely and we'll move on to north carolina and miami this one is surprising miami's up 17 14 at halftime tvd tyler van dyke 13 20 for 180 and two touchdowns so he is playing extremely well today henry Parrish 10 for 70 on the ground averaging seven to carry he's playing extremely well too so the run game's working the pass game's working the defense is not letting Drake May put up monster numbers. He's actually struggling, I would say. 8 of 19 for 105 and a touchdown. 
He's been sacked four times already. So the pass mm-hmm. rush is getting home, and he's also fumbled the ball and lost it. So it's not not looking too good for UNC. They are struggling. Oh, Marion Hampton, he is not. 12 for 76 and a touchdown. Our boy, Devontae Walker. Walker. Game yeah. number two, baby. One rush for 20 yards, five targets. He is a leading target getter, just like he was last week, by the way. Caught three of them for 36 and one touchdown so far. I'm, I'm glad to say my, his uh, name. Sorry not to interrupt you, but just quick shameless plug again. He was my number one buy last week in my article on DestinationDebbie.com that came out, well, not last week, but yesterday. So check that out for why. You're kind of seeing why tonight. Missed the whole season, played two games. He's demanding the targets. He's the alpha. Nate McCollum, who if, has been the number North one. North Carolina wants to make some noise for the rest of the season. Devontae Walker. I think Derek froze on us. Go ahead. You're back. I hate my Wi-Fi, brother. All I was saying was that Devontae Walker coming in for UNC to make some noise this year, he's going to he's gonna be involved. Uh, I think he's an easy buy, like you said. <clears throat> he's going to be the wide receiver one. Drake May is going to hone in on him and lock in on him. And he's frozen in. Bad, bad Wi-Fi right now, my man. Just terrible. Terrible. Where, where's the Charles Barkley when I need it? But I'll go ahead and take it away for you now. Don't don't you worry. Uh, many people might not realize or know, but Devontae Walker's been practicing week in and week out every day with the team. First team reps, he's been the number one with Drake May for virtually every practice every week. So he's not coming in just now practicing and getting acquainted. He's been there. They built a rapport. He's ahead of the curve, per se. And yeah, you should not, do that by buying him. Yeah, it's not like he's been sitting on the sitting to the wayside waiting for his chance. He's he's been out there putting in the work. So <clears throat> good to see Devontae Walker, you know, getting a shot and being the wide receiver one this team needs. We'll move on to what I expected to go the other way. USC at Notre Dame, about halfway through the third quarter. Notre Dame is up 24 to 13. Caleb Williams is human, everyone. Just a little PSA if we didn't realize that. 16 of 27 for 143. No touchdowns, three interceptions. So the hat trick all happened in the first half for him. He's been sacked twice. On Bleach Report, he has the uh, the man throwing trash away into a garbage can as his emoji for his performance so far. So per Bleach Report, he has been trash. Uh, Zachary Branch. The freshman makes his triumphant return after missing three games. Everything has happened in the first half for him. Absolutely everything. Uh, two carries for 17 yards and two targets, two catches for 17 yards. Yeah, I've, I've had this game on, on my iPad sitting next to me, which might be the reason why my Wi-Fi is messing up, so I do apologize about that, Paul. Um, I currently have it off, but I did see that Zachariah Branch muffed the punt. Not great to see. This USC offense and – you know, special teams, I guess, per se as well. They're, they're just struggling. I don't think Notre Dame is, is the better team. That's, to me, that's a long shot. Obviously, they only put up, they've only put up 24 so far. So far on this abysmal USC defense, I think Caleb Williams is going to get rolling, and this this is going to be different. There's still a lot of football to be played, you know, 22 minutes football left. it's To me, it's going to change. I also saw on my iPad, watching another quarter of my eye, uh, man, some of these refs 
they are getting in the way of these wide receivers, man. I, I saw it was number 16 running across the middle, and the ref, it looked like he stood right in his way on purpose. I'm sure it's probably all over Twitter or X right now. But Conspiracy uh, is out. Can't wait to search Taj Washington when we get off here. Yes. But, well, jump into the Notre Dame stats and then break down the full game uh, statistic-wise. Uh, Sam Hartman doing what he normally does, pretty efficient, 10 of 16, 73 yards and touchdown. Audric Estime, double-edged sword, I guess, 13 carries for 54 yards, only averaging four yards carry, but he has two touchdowns. They were both short yardage touchdowns. Uh, the receivers, there's a whole bunch of them catching the ball here and there. There's no number one, no standouts right now. But just all in all in whole for the game, uh, USC is actually dominating, believe it or not. US or Notre Dame just scored again. Yeah, Bleacher Report hasn't updated, but thirty but, thirteen. But statistically, USC is controlling this game. They are dominating. They're the better team right now. At time possession, they have ten more minutes. At total yards, before this drive, they did have eighty yards more, more passing yards, more rushing yards, more first downs. Same penalties, more plays ran. They've given up two more sacks. But the kicker is those three Caleb Williams picks. Without those picks, this game has flipped the score. USC is the one up by three possessions right now without the turnovers, which is still the crazy thing with some games. You can whoop a team up and down the field like SC's doing right now, but if you're not taking care of the football and giving up short yardage, short, short field situations like they obviously have tonight, you're going to be in a world of hurt. And they are right now currently down 18 with four minutes left. Yeah, I'm, I'm not looking at the stack or the stat, but I know both of Audric Estime's uh, rushing touchdowns have come off of interceptions. So, yep. And I know the one was an interception and got they got returned back to the two yard line. So it's hard to win a game when that happens. Yeah, it is. It is. If they wind up losing this game and Caleb Williams doesn't. So you get three, four touchdowns and another 250 total yards of offense. His Heisman hopes may be going down the tube, especially with really them not wanting to get back-to-back Heisman Trophy winners, it seems like, if at all possible. They're going to use this against them. They're going to put this as the nail in the coffin for them to not go back-to-back. Three, three turnovers on the road and a top 25 matchup. And this would also more than likely seal their fate for the college football playoff as well. Yeah, absolutely. I was just uh, watching the iPad, and it was a beautifully thrown ball by by Sam Hartman to Chris Tyree. That was a touchdown. So, but I'm I'm with you, man. It's hard to be a back to back Heisman Trophy winner. You know, it's only happened once. Obviously, <clears throat> it's had potential to happen several times in the past. You look at like Manziel, Tebow, blah blah blah. Uh, when their teams lose and they're not the greatest the following year, it doesn't happen. If USC loses this guy, I think the only way Caleb wins it is if they go undefeated throughout the season. Yeah, which is still possible. Still very possible. They play Washington at home in the Coliseum in three weeks from now. So that game will mean a, well, a little bit less for college football playoff relevance if they drop this one. But for the Pac-12, that'll still be a very huge game. They could still 
of course, drop this game and go on and win the Pac-12, be a one-loss team, and be on the doorstep of a playoff and him still in the Heisman conversation. But this last 19 minutes of the game for him is going to be going to be huge for his Heisman hopes. It's going to be absolutely crucial, and I think the only way they have a chance in hell at winning this game is if he goes out there and has three passing touchdowns. It's it, It's possible. It is very possible he can still do that with the player he is and the offense they have. Don't count him out, that's for sure. I'm no. Let's, let's see. Let's let's pull up Flip real fast before we get out of here. What is the live money line for SC right now? Oh, they are plus eight eighty five. Let me take that. I'm looking at Fanduel. I'm gonna pull it up real quick. I'm gonna do the same thing. Hey, I'll throw a couple bucks at it. it it's USC, baby. Anything can happen with them. Hell, they could drop two touchdowns for the end of this quarter. Oh no, absolutely. I'm, I'm looking now. Uh, they are plus a thousand on Fanduel. Oh, even better, even better. I'm gonna put five bucks. That's what I'm doing. It ain't gonna hurt. Nope. But that'll that'll do it for us. We'll go ahead and get out of here. Uh, please give us all a follow on Twitter at Gump7285. Uh, Derek, you can find at D underscore Cook93, and I spell K-O-C-H. Of course, Destination Debbie, at Destination Debbie. And then our podcast, the Gridiron Fantasy Show, is at Gridiron underscore F-S. So appreciate you guys tuning in to another episode of the College Football Podcast, and we'll see you again next week. See you. Thanks for listening.